Deep behind the lush green leaves, we can barely identify the outline of this rare wonder. It's not often that she shows herself, so we must count ourselves extremely lucky to catch a glimpse. Just how uncommon is this sighting? Well, within a very short period, it has attracted around a thousand five hundred people just to catch a small peep. Upon closer inspection, we can see that it is a spotted creek, a small water bird most commonly found in Europe. We can tell it's a spotted creek by its short, straight bill, yellow with a red base. Adults have mainly brown upper parts and blue-gray breast, with dark barring and white spots on the flanks. They have green legs with long toes and a short tail which is buff underneath. Look past the reeds and over the large pond, and you will be surprised to notice concrete and brick dwellings, those that belong to humans. And just why there are humans in the middle of all this nature? Well, it's because we're not in a jungle at all. We're in the heart of Waterfall Estate, the urban jungle, where nature is adapting and thriving in this neighborhood. There are over. Two hundred bird species alone, and plenty more mammals. Sia Sangweni went on a fact-finding expedition. What happens when worlds collide? What was once a farm is now evolving into a mega city, and the animals that once roamed there are having to adapt to urban life. But at Waterfall Estate, they seem to be thriving. There are thousands of species, even some rare birds and mammals have been sighted. What is Waterfall Estate doing to maintain the lifestyle and habitat of so many creatures? I got a chance to chat to two enthusiasts who have all the answers. I am Ron Searle. I am a member of the Waterfall Bird Club and a very enthusiastic birder. Hi, I'm Kevin Garth. I'm a member of the, the Waterfall Estate Environmental Committee um, with a with a passion for for fauna and flora and the estate. Ron's interest in birds started at a young age. At just 13 years old, he cycled over 20 kilometers all the way from Orange Grove to where Waterfall Estate is today, just to have a look at some of the birds. His obsession started when he was 10 years old while shooting at birds with a pellet gun, only to realize after handling them how beautiful they are. He eventually joined the Witwatersrand Bird Club in 1959, where he's still an active member, and now he's part of the Waterfall Bird Club. There are 107 members in the Bird Club, and I concentrate on the field work. So I go out every Saturday and Sunday, nearly every week, or at least two or three times in a month. And I've done that ever since I lived in, in Waterfall here, which is ever since 2012. Every bird that has been spotted on Waterfall Estate has been added to a list, which is constantly growing. And Ron is responsible for keeping track of this list. So um, part of the, uh, the monthly meeting that we have of the committee 
is to talk a little bit about the birds that have been seen on the uh, the estates. And uh, so my contribution is is largely the outdoor activities of the uh, residents and the, the birds that um, are available on the estates. So I look after the bird list. When I started about uh, six years ago, when the bird club was first started, um, they had compiled a list of about 110 birds, species, and um, over the past period I've managed to increase the the bird list, not single-handedly. There have been a few contributions from um, other residents, but the list now stands at 245, of which, as I say, I I have seen most of them. There's a half a dozen or so which have escaped me thus far. Kevin, on the other hand, has a passion for fauna and flora, and he especially moved to Waterfall Estate because of the grasslands. I've been passionate about wildlife since an early age and fascinated by it. And one of the things that attracted me to Waterfall was actually the the location of the area. You know, I'd I'd watched it over the years and uh, I thought to myself that it would be a good idea to be a resident on an eco-estate with the green belts that were on offer. These green belts that Kevin mentioned house a variety of grasslands, wetlands and other mini ecosystems, which are important not only for the animals that live there, but also to preserve environmental aspects of the land. The area is comprised of, of these uh, magnificent, uh, well it was uh, bank and fault grassland, which is actually one of the most endangered uh, biomes in the world because uh, it's only really the Witwatersrand uh, that has this type of grassland. And and obviously with all the development in the whole of Joburg, um, there's not much open space left. So, you know, by the time, uh, you know, they started developing uh, waterfall, it was uh, one of the last uh, remnants, a really good example of this bank and fault Igoli grassland. Kevin then discussed the Yixke River, the wetlands, and the length to which the waterfall management team go to maintain the integrity of the land. Being part of the Waterfall Country Estate Environmental Committee, Kevin explained their role. You know, fauna and flora is probably quite a small aspect of, of the committee. You know, there's a lot of other things that we have to deal with, like landscaping and other various issues along the green belts, trying to maintain the integrity of, of, of the drainage lines, for example, trying to um, get rid of invasive uh, plants. And and it's quite a difficult area to, to manage, uh, you know, from a landscaping perspective. So that takes a lot of the time. Although um, I would like to sort of gravitate more towards... Uh, just solely, um, you know, looking at the fauna, fauna and flora and trying to add uh, value in that respect to, to maintain their habitat. Because at the end of the day, the, the only reason that the wildlife is there is because of the, the habitat that, that sustains uh, that wildlife. Not so long ago, Waterfall Estate made headlines for a very special bird that was spotted near Gate 4. Ron revealed many unusual species that have been known to hang around the estate, including the rarest sighting so far, the spotted crake. The most interesting um, birds for me have been the the rarer species that have visited the estates. And um, at this stage, there's probably just over a handful of really uh, rare birds that have come to the estate. I think um, many people have heard about the, the spotted crake that arrived um, at Gate 4 waterfall 
this was in 2016, January, and um, that uh, sighting, um, it occurred because of a chap who had contacted me. He wanted to see a European cuckoo that um, had been photographed by Sue Gao, Kevin's uh, wife, and spotted uh, as well by, by Kevin. And um, the European cuckoo is uh, an unusual uh, visitor, certainly to Gauteng. And that was worthy of reporting, putting onto the internet. And uh, I had a call from a chap who wanted to see this, this cuckoo. And I gave him directions on how to get there. And he was successful in seeing the bird. As he was leaving the waterfall estate at gate four, he spotted this bird fly from the island in the middle of the road to the water feature, which is at the gate. And he recognized it as a crake. And then he narrowed it down to a spotted crake, which is a Palearctic migrant from Europe and Asia, which normally migrates down through Africa and occasionally gets to South Africa, right down to the southern tip of, of the continent. And um, over a period of six weeks in which this bird stayed there, in which it offered fantastic um, sighting uh, possibilities and photographic as well, 1,470 sightings were reported. And there probably an equal number were um, not reported. So maybe up to about 3,000 people visited that during that six weeks period and enjoyed seeing that, that, that bird. It was a very un unusual for a, a bird uh, of, of that rarity to, to actually visit a, an artificial watering sort of point and to spend six weeks there. It, it must have really found a lot of food along the margins of the, um, the water feature because every day it would walk up and down probably over a distance of about 30 or 40 meters, uh, finding enough food to keep it there for six weeks. This is not the only rare bird Ron has managed to spot. He was lucky to get a glimpse of a green sandpiper. He explained why the sighting is such a big deal. The South African uh, BirdLife organization has identified a number of birds which they can classify as rarities, national rarities. And when we talk of national, we're covering not only the Republic of South Africa, but Lesotho, Swaziland, uh, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, southern Mozambique. It's southern Africa. And they've identified about, um, well, a list of what they consider to be national rarities that probably arrive here in this part of the world over a period of many years, less than, say, 20 times. And green sandpiper is on this list, although it's one of the less rare uh, species that do visit South Africa on a, a fairly regular basis now. In fact, on the waterfall uh, Yuxke River, during the seven summers that I've spent uh, living here on, on the Waterfall Valley, the green sandpiper has pitched up six out of the seven summers. And it spends um, a week or two, perhaps two or three weeks here, 
uh, feeding on the margins of the river. And um, it clearly is in transit because it then disappears. And on one occasion, I think it has arrived back here in about February after probably moving further south or elsewhere. It uh, revisits um, in January or February on its way back north to um, Europe and Asia. But there's more to waterfall than just the amazing bird life. Mammals, reptiles, bugs, big and small, often make an appearance if you look closely enough. Kevin has some favorites. My favorite animals, um, I'm very passionate about reptiles. And uh, waterfall along the Yuxka River, there are absolutely um, magnificent uh, Nile monitors, um, otherwise known as uh, Lycavons, Legions. And these are these are really big lizards, which uh, average good size on waterfall is about 1.8 meters. So it's a rel- relatively large lizard, and and they they're still thriving along along the Yuxka River. You can you can almost be guaranteed of seeing one if you go for a walk during the day along the river. I like uh, I like the frogs and the snakes. There's uh, South African hedgehogs, which uh, are really great. Uh, little things there's um and there's some really exciting uh animals that that people never really see one of them that they do often see are there's a pair of jackals that uh, that still breed on blackback jackals that still breed on the farm um, which is quite amazing they've had a litter of pups uh, just about every year since i've been there and then there's there's things that people don't see like um like there's cape clawless otters which uh, a lot of the wildlife comes out at night which makes it more exciting. They've adapted to doing that over the years because they're obviously scared of uh, people, so they they come out at night. Um, there, there's uh, water mongoose, which uh, people don't see either. So, yeah, from a wildlife perspective, uh, Waterfall Estate is, is still an exciting place. The Waterfall Environmental Committee spends a lot of time ensuring that the environment is well-maintained and the preservation of the land is a top priority. Kevin told me why this is so important. Obviously, with uh, with the development um, of the houses, there, there is a loss of habitat. So, you know, certain species of of of, of birds, for example, would would uh, probably move off uh, ultimately. But there's still a, a substantial um, section of greenbelt um, on the estate, and I suppose uh, you know, with the development of of um, of Gauteng, it's probably, uh, you know, one of the last remaining, uh, will be one of the last remaining uh, areas uh, for some of this wildlife. So it's definitely worth looking after, and especially with the, the connectivity of, of the Yuxka River. So what do you do if you stumble upon a bird or animal in distress? According to both Ron and Kevin, the best thing to do is leave it alone. Don't get involved. If you're really concerned, you can contact the Waterfall Bird Club or Waterfall Country Estate Environmental Committee. They also want you to be aware of your own pets, especially cats, as they can be very harmful to the wildlife. Try to keep them contained and add a bell to their collars. So what if you want to join the bird club? How do you go about it? So for, for anybody who, um, who's interested in, um, in the bird club, um, and would like to join, probably the best thing to do would be for them to contact the Waterfall Estate Environmental Committee. And the Environmental Committee could then direct them to the, uh, Waterfall Estate Bird Club. 
I want to leave you with an amazing story that Kevin told right at the end of our discussion. This is not actually part of our interview, but luckily we were still recording. So I'm always happy to put together a group. And for example, um, a lady at the Valley, um, is she on the committee at the Valley? Um, Leslie. She, she, contacted me. she contacted me and asked me if I could do a night walk for, for their residents and their grandchildren. And this um, was organized about six months ago. And it just so happened that it was on Friday night, um, probably at the worst time of the year because it hasn't rained and there wasn't a frog in sight. <laughs> and I, I, I thought to myself, now what am I going to do? So not only that, I got stuck in the traffic on the way there. I raced home and two days before somebody had, had called me about a, a snake um, in, in, their, in their sliding door track. And uh, I just happened to be on my way home. So I said, you know what, I'll come and rescue you from the snake. I'll come and take it away. So I went along and, and um, you know, it's always a red-lipped herald or a brown house snake. Most of the time they're totally harmless, but uh, you can't convince uh, people always about that. So I took the snake out from uh, underneath her sliding door and I thought to myself, I've got a good idea. I'm going to put the snake in a bucket and then if we don't see a single thing on Friday night, the kids the, we'll, we'll do the snake thing and the kids can release the snake. So I pitched up 20 minutes late with a, with a bucket, with a, with a red-lipped herald in the bucket. And of course, there were there were a bunch of uh, very excited kids with their torches flashing all over the place, and their, their their grandparents waiting for me to arrive. And I took the snake out of the bucket, and I said, "Right, who likes snakes, and who wants to let the snake go?" And we did a, a little bit of a an educational thing about um, red lip heralds and how to identify them and that they're harmless. And if, the kids loved it. And we went as we left for our walk. We um, we happened to notice I think it was two marsh owls. So, you know, after being so scared of, of going on this walk at the wrong time of the year and we're not going to see anything, now we've really spotted two marshals. Then the kids let the snake go underneath the bridge uh, at the little wetland at the bottom of the river, which I absolutely loved. And then off we went underneath um, Waterfall Drive through the bridge and with the, with, with the little boys running up ahead with their torches. And the next thing I hear, snake! <laughs> <laughs> They've got a, a, a large uh, red-lipped herald that they've spotted on the path. And, uh, you know, being uh, very well-trained kids, the kids were absolutely fantastic. They, um, they didn't touch it, uh, like we told them they shouldn't, until uh, an adult had identified it. And we picked up this lovely red-lipped herald, and they were, of course, uh, over the moon for finding a snake. So was I, because now we'd seen a form of wildlife. And the pressure's oh. off a bit, yeah. And and then it got better. About 50 meters further along, one of the little boys um, with his with his torch along the Yuxke River, um, in its compromised state with all the rubbish, it's got the most wonderful wildlife. Um, says to me, "No, there's a water mongoose." And sure enough, there's a little green eyes shining back with this uh, elusive water mongoose. And now everybody, a group of about 20, 30 people, had seen a water mongoose. Brilliant. Anyway, now I'm really happy. So we, we carry on with our walk and we start crossing the bridge, which used to be known as the Hotel Bridge, um, where, where they want to do Kira going forward. So now we call it the School Bridge. As we're going across the bridge, the same little guy shines his torch further up the river and spots another water mongoose. Now you never see water mongooses. They, they're scruffy, sort of uh, brown, quite big, like the size of a big cat kind of thing. Um, little animals and they come out at night. You normally only see their footprints. Now we've seen two water mongoose. Mm -hmm. Then we get across the river, and thank heavens, we heard a, we heard a toad croaking. Oh. So the kids caught a toad. Oh, 
we saw we saw a bunch of scrub hairs. Scrub hairs are very interesting. Um, they're, they're not at all like rabbits. So we did the whole rabbit scrub hair thing. And now we spotted scrub hairs. The kids went that way. The grandparents went back to, to light the fire because we were having a briar. And the kids that went that way spotted a third water mongoose. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Waterfall Podcast. Catch up on this and previous episodes on the Go Waterfall app. Coming up in the next episode, we take an inside look at the wonder that is Mall of Africa, South Africa's largest shopping mall ever built in a single phase, which is home to over 300 stores with four anchor tenants.